when a lot of organizations shifted to remote work, they kept the synchronous practice, which meant more meetings, which meant like, oh, we need people to be talking more now that they're not all in an office. So we need to be doing more meetings. And I know that there's been a lot of pushback on that. A lot of places have been like, try to tone down the meetings, Zoom fatigue and video fatigue is just very real. But I think that this is just a really big challenge going into remote work. You have to be really intentional about those best practices that you set up. Welcome to the Going Global podcast, brought to you by Globalization Partners. Hire anyone, anywhere, quickly and easily. Use our AI-driven, automated, fully compliant global employer of record platform, powered by our in-house worldwide HR experts with 97% customer satisfaction ratings. Globalization Partners, succeed faster. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Going Global, the podcast where leaders in high-growth companies tell us their own stories of going global and building global remote teams. I'm your host, Diego Mendiburu, and remember that you can find all episodes of this show on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. On today's show, we're going to interview Haley Griffiths. She's head of public relations at Buffer, a company that offers social media tools to help companies grow their audience online and create authentic engagement. She writes about remote work, public relations, and career progress, and has been published in Fast Company, Built In, The Next Web, Time Magazine, Entrepreneur, and The Huffington Post. And of course, we are here to talk about the 2021 State of Remote Work Survey published by Buffer. Hello, Haley, and welcome. Hi, Diego. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I want to start with a fun but serious question at the same time. I've always asked myself, and I'm pretty sure that a lot of people out there too, about whether people that work either inside social media companies or with social media tools like you really have to be heavy social media users. I mean, <laughs> do you think it's a correlation? You have to know how those things work in the real world in order to apply that to your job, or it doesn't really matter? I think it depends on the job you're doing and it totally depends on the person too. Like I personally am a pretty heavy social media user and I know a lot of other people on our like marketing team, for example, mm -hmm. are either, even if they're not necessarily like heavy social media users, they like read a lot about the industry or they like follow maybe more of like those silent social media users that you see. But I wouldn't say that everyone on our team needs to be like a really heavy social media user, but there definitely is just some like general understanding and like industry interest that comes with working at a social media scheduling tool, or like platform like Buffer. What is your favorite social media platform? I'm a really big fan of Twitter and I've been a big fan of Twitter for years. And I know it's gone through phases and some people don't <laughs> love it and other people do love it. And I just think I've found like a fantastic community on Twitter there's always really interesting conversation with people that I might not have met otherwise. So I personally really enjoy it. Also, maybe because my photography skills aren't great. So I don't fit in really well with like the Instagram group. <laughs> no, totally. So we're here mostly to talk about remote work, but I want to know about your specific work style. I understand that you've been working remotely for a long time. So can you tell us that the pandemic changed the way you used to do things or you were quite well prepared for it? I am definitely very fortunate that I was already set up prior to the pandemic. I had been working at home for years. Like this is not only was I working remotely, but I chose to work from home because remote work doesn't always imply working from home, right? Like you can work from coffee shops or co-working spaces or libraries or things like that. But for me, it has always been home. I've been in that group of people that I personally prefer working from home. So I was very lucky when the pandemic hit, I already had a dedicated space where I have my office, I have a desk, I have all of the hardware and equipment that I need. You know, my processes in terms of collaborating with my team stayed the same because we were already doing that. I think for me, the biggest change factor 
was that all of a sudden my husband was remote and at home and usually he would leave home every day. So now there was this slightly more distractions because there's another human in the house. So I can't even imagine. I know people who have kids. This was like one of the main things for them was dealing with having kids at home who weren't in school and things like that. But for me, the biggest change really was just having my husband at home and like having to deal with like there's another person in the house. But that was very small. Otherwise, I'm pretty well set up. That's amazing. And I'm glad to hear that because, yeah, for many others out there, it has been really challenging. And I was interviewing an expert on remote work from India a few episodes ago. And she was pointing out that, yeah, our reality in certain contexts can be difficult to share the same internet or, you know, sharing the same space with your partner or whatever. But in other countries, you're talking about families, complete families sharing single, low bandwidth, internet connection, sharing the same living room and having different conversations about different topics at the same time. And it can really be challenging for work. And that's part of the things you cover in this survey, right? Yeah. I mean, one of the things that we were really interested in doing the state of remote work this year, like obviously the entire landscape has changed because remote work went from being something that was, you know, there were quite a few outspoken people, Buffer included, being really interested in we're running our entire business remotely and like being interested in being advocates for that movement and saying like, this is working for us as a business. This is a sustainable business model. It is a sustainable way to run your business. And that that totally changed this year in the survey and the report that we were running to now the conversation is, okay, everyone's remote. So what are more of our shared experiences? So that is something that we dug into a little bit this year, just in terms of like, okay, looking at the people who were remote as a result of COVID-19, because obviously I think they have a different experience from people who were remote intentionally. One of the things we wanted to look at is like, what are some things that changed the most for you? Or what are some of your bigger struggles? And definitely like collaborating is like a big one. And then there's definitely a group of people that having their family at home and like being at home with their family being distracting is like a large thing that has changed for them. So if I understand correctly, this is not the first time you do this survey, right? You have done it before. So what's the main difference between this year's survey and the surveys from past years? Yeah, so we started the report in 2018. Really, we kicked it off in 2017 and then launched it in 2018. And at the time, we were one of the few organizations that was fully distributed. We have an office and we have remote workers or we allow remote work, but like we have no office and we are fully remote. And there are a couple of others, like Automatic was a really big player in the tech scene, especially since they're such a large company, Zapier, just in terms of companies that were already remote. But a lot of people were reaching out to us and were reading our blog and they were... topics they were interested in was remote work was like, how can I convince my manager to let me work remotely? Or how can I run a remote business? How can my team be remote? So these were a lot of the like questions we were getting and we were hearing from not only just our customers, but like our broader community in tech. And so one of the things we wanted to look into was what is the current landscape? What's it like to work remotely for remote workers? How are they feeling? What are their challenges and their struggles? And like, what are maybe some things that we can share more of internally, externally, based on these results, then also just to help people get a better understanding of remote work, because it can be kind of mystified, right? Like people before when not everyone was working remotely, they thought that remote workers maybe like stayed in their pajamas and worked from bed all day. And maybe some people do, but that's not like the image of the entire landscape. That's not like a good representation of the entire group of remote work. So we started in 2018 from that perspective. And then we became one of the larger remote work studies. We have access to a really large audience of people that are interested in remote work that are willing to answer surveys. And so over the years, it was kind of building on like, oh, wow, we have a lot of people. What else are we interested in talking about? Like, what is an interesting conversation this year? Initially, we were talking a lot about salaries or vacation time, like how much time was someone spending 
traveling at the same time that they were working, which was different, right? Because if you're working and traveling, your work setup is a little different than if you're set up at home and you're not traveling a ton. So like just sort of like really getting a lay of the land. And then we've narrowed in a lot over the years. And this most recent one, like I mentioned, I think the biggest difference truly is that we looked at people who were remote prior to COVID-19 and people who were remote due to COVID-19. And then we compared their answers in a lot of things because I was definitely expecting that there would be some significant differences in what, how they experience remote work and like whether or not they recommend remote work and overall what they felt about working remotely since they were put into it in such a fast environment. I remember some of my friends telling me like, I can't even go into the office to pick up the equipment that I need. I only have my laptop. Like that's the only thing I have. Like I can't even go back into my office. So it was such a quick transition to remote work for some people. So I was very interested in that. So the most recent survey was much more focused on the difference between the group of COVID-19 remote workers and non, essentially looking at who opted into remote work versus who did not. And what do they think about remote work? Okay, let's just jump right into it. When I see the answers to the first questions of the survey, one of the first things that seem obvious is that when we say, and especially at Globalization Partners, we've written a lot of content about it, saying that remote work is here to stay. Well, we finally have numbers and it points out like that's true, right? People do want to keep working remotely. Unequivocally, yes, like just in huge numbers of yes. And it's that year over year, we've asked this question a couple of years in a row. So would you like to work remotely at least some of the time for the rest of your career? And we're at almost 98% of people said yes, like that's huge number in the survey. And then we also ask if you'd recommend remote work to others, like sort of an NPS score on remote work and 97% of people said that they would. So I completely agree. Remote work is here to stay. It's one of these things that there are such huge benefits. And once you experience it for yourself, and once you really figure out the processes that you need to set up, it's hard to take that away. It's hard to go back. I can't imagine commuting 30 minutes and sitting in an office again. Once you have a different experience from that, it's really difficult to go back to that. Let's talk about the benefits. One of the number one benefit people answer is the ability to have a flexible schedule. So that's interesting because what they are saying is they can work not necessarily eight straight hours. You know, one thing I hated about certain jobs, especially, I mean, I'm Mexican, but I've seen how other cultures work. And for example, I used to work with British people. And one thing that was quite a cultural shock for me was to see them eating in their desk. As a a Mexican, that's like a sin. Usually (laughs) Mexicans like to go out and pretty much spend a whole hour eating with their colleagues and having fun and having uh, deep conversations and then going back to the office. But what I'm trying to say is it seems like people now have more freedom to maybe work for an hour, then spend a few time with their pets or kids or whatever, or go to the park and walk and return and work for another two hours. You see that kind of new flexibility apparently that is coming thanks to remote work. I think that's the perfect way to describe it. Absolutely. Like, and this is so powerful for people because if you think of it, it depends what the average commute is and it can change depending on the country that you're in. But if you have, say, an hour a day of your time that's coming back to you because you're not commuting, that's an enormous amount of additional flexibility, like one extra hour of waking hours of work or, you know, if you choose to sleep during it because you want more sleep, like that's great, too. So I think that just even removing the commute is usually huge in terms of freeing up people's schedules. And the other thing is that commuting can be quite stressful. I've seen reports where people equate commuting with going to see the dead 
dentist. They actually prefer to see the dentist than to commute. Like this is a lot of stress levels. So it's not a really enjoyable part of someone's day. So even the flexibility from the standpoint of like, I'm getting back a little bit of time in the morning and a little bit of time in the evening is huge. And then I think you're spot on just like, I can eat my own food when I want to. I'm not relying on what's around me or how prepared I was if I could bring lunch to work. And then we see a lot, definitely people with families sharing more so of the like, I can drop my kid off at school or spend more time with them in the mornings and in the evenings. I'm not stuck in traffic in rush hour and missing dinner time or missing bedtime or whatever it might be because I wasn't able to make it. So there are a lot of aspects to that flexibility portion, but that is year over year people select the flexibility to like the ability to have a flexible schedule as the top benefit of remote work. It's just like a huge favorite. But then in second place, in terms of the biggest benefits of working remotely, it is the flexibility to work from anywhere. And we're also quite interested in that here at Globalization Partners, because that means people can either adapt to a more nomadic lifestyle where they can be continuously on the move and maybe work on a cabin in the woods one week and then move back to their parents' house maybe for another week and then go back to their apartment. Or people that can completely change their location and maybe go back to another country and keep working as usual as long as the time differences work. But that's another very interesting thing, right? Yeah. And again, I think that was a fantastic description of it. The flexibility to work from anywhere is huge for people who enjoy working remotely. It's like, it is always up there again as one of the biggest benefits. And I think that this sort of relates to commuting again a little bit, like you can kind of bring commuting in here too. It's like, you're not forced to drive to a specific location. You can work from anywhere. If you choose that you would like to have a commute because you want to work from a co-working space, you absolutely can. But that flexibility of like, yes, I want to see my parents this week, or I want to see my sister this week. So I'm going to fly in or drive in and spend time with her family and I can still get work done is also huge. The other category I talk about this since it impacts me personally is military spouses often see that flexibility for working from anywhere is really beneficial. So I started working remotely prior to meeting my husband, but he is in the military. So we move every couple of years and I meet a lot of military spouses that have to restart their careers every few years because they get moved. And I don't have that that isn't a barrier for me. My career doesn't get impacted depending on what location I'm in. You know, I was in Colorado and now I'm in Virginia. Same, like it's the same thing. I have the same meetings. I can work on the same projects. I didn't get take a step back in my career. And I think that that situation, you know, being a military spouse is one example, but that can apply to a lot of things. If you have to move because you're taking care of an aging parent and you don't know what the opportunities are in that area, like the flexibility to work from anywhere is huge from a career growth perspective. Now you're looking at the fact that people aren't being punished for not living in large cities when it comes to their careers, for example. That's interesting. I have to ask this because you just talked about this. Do you think there could be some like a gender equality benefit of remote work? Do you think that maybe that's something we didn't think about and suddenly we're looking at it and discovering that? I think there could be, you know, we honestly haven't looked at it from the report, so I don't have like data on this. This is something I'm interested in looking into for next year, though. But I do think that there could be because you also have to think like, who's the more likely spouse to move if someone gets a job in another city? Depends on the person's career. In a lot of different situations, I could see that. But then I also think just the flexibility of remote work in general and just how it does allow for like a little bit more of that work life, being at home and being able to do work 
balance, I do see a really great benefit for women in particular. So I'm hoping that working remotely can help with gender equality, but I don't have any data on that. I'm just like hopeful. Now let's talk about the other side of the survey and the contrast mm. between what we just discussed, the flexible schedule, and then the biggest struggle that people reported as a consequence of remote work, it's not being able to unplug. I see a paradox here. Pretty much people are saying, I can work the way I want to. I can dedicate a specific time for maybe exercising, then working for an hour and then going back to eating healthy. But then apparently that is also becoming a burden because they cannot stop. And then they are probably still working late at night because they are still having things to do. Yeah. And I think this is a totally normal struggle for remote work. And one of the things I always want to talk about with remote work is the struggles. Like it's not just working from a beach on a laptop or working from bed in your pajamas, if that looks more appealing to you than working from a beach to a laptop. But it's not all glamorous. It's not all just those Instagram shots. There are like some really real struggles to working remotely. And not being able to unplug is a really big one. We saw that jump this year compared to previous years. So in 2021, the results were a lot higher than they had been in previous years. So I think reading between the lines there a little bit, you know, we have more people who are working remotely. And the way that I like to describe it is when you're working from home, your devices are your office. So if you choose to install Slack on your phone, your phone now is kind of an office place for you. In one chat, you're talking to your mom and another chat, you're talking to your CEO. Like that's that you've kind of brought work into that. So you see people, especially people who've worked remotely for a long time, being really strict about either they don't put any work apps on their phone or they use a different device for their personal things or whatever it might be. I think when your devices become your office, it becomes really challenging. It's really easy to leave all of the notifications on. And I also think that that's a challenge that you meet head on earlier into your journey with remote work. And so we had more people responding this year who were earlier into their journey with remote work as a result of COVID-19. So I am not surprised that this was a top one, but yeah, you're spot on. It's like there is more flexibility, but then you have to learn how to manage that. Now you have the flexibility to work from your phone, but should you? And how can you put the correct boundaries into place? And like, how can you manage notifications? And I think a lot of people who were in an office, there was a very physical boundary of like, I am at work and now I am not at work. I'm at home. So I don't need to think about home. But especially if your kitchen became your office because you didn't have a dedicated home space, like I totally see how this can become really difficult to unplug and it can be really difficult to create a barrier between work and home. One of the things that I recommend to people is having a dedicated space, even if that's a dedicated chair. Like a lot of people will be like, well, I don't have a home office. And I'm like, you know what? I didn't always have a home office either. I used to live in a bachelor apartment in Toronto where I used to work when I had roommates in San Francisco. So one of the things that I did, and it sounds really silly, but it works and other people do this too, is like one side of the couch for me was the work side of the couch. And the other side of the couch was the relaxing and the Netflix side of the couch. And it seems really silly, but your brain needs that separation. And it really helps you to have that, to put that separation in place. So not being able to unplug is very real challenge of remote work. And I think a lot of people are coming up against it a little bit more head on because they used to have a physical boundary there of I've left the office, I'm not working anymore. And when you don't have that, when it's, well, I'm still in the kitchen, I'm just using my phone for something else, or I'm making dinner now, your brain needs a little bit of separation. So even if it's like I sit on one side of the kitchen when I'm working and I eat on the other side of the kitchen, that's personally what I do when I have to take calls from my kitchen. At number three of the biggest struggles with working remotely, there's loneliness. And we have to talk about mental health and emotional health, because I think we are in an extraordinary situation. And I guess you can tell us more about it, but there's a difference between working remotely 
on a normal non-emergency context and working remotely right now in the middle of a pandemic. What can you tell us about that? I mean, is it normal to feel lonely because you're working remotely? Or maybe people mention this more because of not being able to have more social connections in a normal context, going to restaurants, to bars, to pubs, to parks, whatever, because of the pandemic. I think it is normal to feel at least some level of loneliness while working remotely because you are alone. And for the most part, it depends what your setup looks like, right? For me, if I'm working from home, which I am, and we traditionally, I didn't ask this question this year because it wasn't as relevant, but usually we'll ask people, where do you choose to work from? Where do you prefer to work from? And 80% of people in the 2020 and the 2019 reports, we're working from home. So not the outlier there, but I think it depends where you want to choose to work from. If you're working from home, like most people are like, absolutely. Loneliness is a struggle. You're at home, no matter how many video calls you're in. So I'm in several video calls today and I can see you right now, Diego. And so I feel like we're interacting, but I am alone in this room. I am not really interacting with another human. And as much as We've learned, you know, our shared experience has been throughout this pandemic that you can do a lot of video calls. It's not the same. You'll get kind of tired of video calls. Video fatigue is very real and it isn't the same as in-person interaction. And so I do think loneliness is, it's a huge struggle of remote work. It's a huge reality of working remotely is that you're going to come up, up against these challenges of being lonely. There are a lot of ways to address that in normal times, like when you're not also going through a pandemic, remote workers usually have like aim for social, very social lives or however much they can put more social in their lives, for example. So you have to be really conscious of having friends that you leave the house to go and interact with or having plans or something to do after work. Like this is something I hear a lot of remote workers talk about is I need to have something to do on the weekend or something to do at work if you're at home alone all day. Now, some remote workers would choose to work from a co-working space and I think they would see less of them selecting loneliness because they were around people all day. So maybe that would be a little bit less of a challenge. But yeah, I also think that I'm not surprised that that was one of the top three this year, not only because it is regularly in the top three, loneliness is regularly in the top three biggest struggles of working remotely, but I think especially in 2020 and 2021, just the reality of the world is that a lot of people are feeling very lonely right now because of missed opportunities for connections and missed socialization. So another interesting insight is that 45% of people replying to the survey say that they are working more and 52% are having more meetings. <laughs> what can you tell us about that? Why do you think that is happening? You know, that's never good to see. It's never good to see that people are working more when they're working remotely and they're in more meetings and they're working remotely. That wasn't a fun one to see. I'm glad that people were so honest. It's really good to get this insight. I think the working more because you're working remotely, very easy trap to fall into. All of a sudden you can work all the time from home and especially during COVID-19, there might not be a clear end to your day. If you don't have specific dinner plans or you don't have kids that you're making dinner for or whatever it might be, you could keep working until seven, eight o'clock because there's no measurement of time. There's nowhere else to be. You know, what other plans do we potentially have? So I can see that happening. So the connecting that to the meetings is very interesting though. So I do think that a lot of people are working more because they're in more meetings. And I think that a lot of companies, what we've seen especially early in the pandemic, was they didn't know how to do remote work, especially in a healthy collaborative setting. And they weren't aware of asynchronous communication where maybe it's a written format and I write you a long message explaining what my question is or what I wanna work on. And then when you're awake in your time zone, you write me back and you work on that as well. They are used to being all in an office together. They're used to very synchronous communication. What we're doing right now, you and I are talking live synchronously. So I think the other thing is that when a lot of organizations shifted to remote work, they kept the synchronous practice, which meant more meetings, which meant like, oh, we need people to be talking more now that they're not all in an office. 
So we need to be doing more meetings. And I know that there's been a lot of pushback on that. A lot of places have been like, try to tone down the meetings, Zoom fatigue and video fatigue is just very real. But I think that this is just a really big challenge going into remote work. You have to be really intentional about those best practices that you set up. If you set up internally a way for people to collaborate asynchronously and do their standups asynchronously every week, instead of adding another meeting to everyone's calendar, then that's a different decision then we're going to be doing this in a meeting. So it really has to be intentional. I think there needs to be a team or at least a person thinking about how you do remote work at your organization to make it successful and to make it a good experience for everyone. So yeah, I'm really hopeful that when I ask this question next year, these numbers will have gone down a little bit. Fingers crossed. Are you saying that companies should have some kind of remote work well-being officer or something like that? I think that you can call it a couple of different things. For us, we have a people team. So we have someone on our team who is in charge of team engagement. And that whole people team sort of takes responsibility for the remote experience of like making sure we have the right tools, making sure that we are engaging with each other, that we're engaged actively, that we're doing the right communication methods internally, like those kinds of like really get into the nitty gritty of like, how's your company going to operate remotely? Our people team does that. And then they also, when normally we would meet up once a year for retreats, we would get the entire company, all of Buffer together to do a retreat at some location where we could all meet in person. And they would plan those as well. So for us, it's the people team. I've seen a lot of other companies where they have a people team. Lately, I'm seeing more people have a head of remote. So they just designate someone who is, you know, that person is in charge of remote. So it seems like that's been a successful model for some organizations as well. But I do think someone needs to take responsibility because if it's just up to the entire company, that's never going to get optimized and there won't be best practices put into place. So some bad habits like everything becoming a meeting will get put into place. And next thing you know, no one has time to do actual work because they're sitting in meetings all day. Finally, another figure that was quite surprising for me is that 73% say that their company is working in multiple time zones. What does this uh, tell us about diversity and international teams? I mean, I guess that means that a lot of the companies that were part of the survey are truly global companies working with people all over the world. Is that right? I think so. I think... That's the vibe that I'm getting. Multiple time zones could also be two time zones, though. So you have to be keep in mind, like sometimes it could be just like one coast of the U.S. where you happen to have two time zones. But I do think that it is increasingly more likely that you are going to get people in a company and on a team that are working for multiple countries and as a result, working for multiple time zones. Again, that's another challenge that you have to face sort of head on to be really intentional about like, are we going to expect people to wake up at 6 a.m.? to be on calls or to be on calls at midnight their time? Or are we going to change the way that we operate to make sure that this fits in with everyone's normal daily life? Like not fitting it into what our company operates in. Like, well, most people are in Eastern, so we all operate in Eastern. No, but like, how can we make this work for everyone? For the people who are in Ghana, in Australia, in Singapore, like that is one of the things that you have to be conscious of. But yeah, I think we're increasingly seeing that companies operate and they span multiple time zones with their teammates. And this is just, that presents its own set of unique challenges. We've uh, reached the end of the conversation, but I do want to ask you, how has Buffer adapted to remote work? I mean, I understand that you already work remotely. What changed in the last months? And more importantly, do you think like any of these figures from this survey is going to reflect in your policies, is going to make any changes inside the company and how it works remotely? Yeah. So in terms of how Buffer has changed in remote work, we were remote prior to the pandemic. But one of the things that we changed, this is possibly the biggest thing that we've changed at the company in a really long time, that change came about after COVID-19, is that we are currently operating in a four-day work week. 
we now only do Mondays through Thursdays. And the reason that we're doing that is that surveying our team internally and looking at how's everyone doing, people were not doing okay. And I think a lot of people felt that last year, you know, especially people with kids, especially the parents on our team. Our CEO is very conscious of burnout. And at the time he said, I think one of the biggest risks to companies right now is that their workforce is going to be burnt out. And that is a major impact on an organization. So his response to that was, we're going to work a four-day work week. So we tried it out for a month in May. It went very successfully. We decided to try it out for the rest of 2020. Again, it went very well. So that is now just the way that we operate as a company is that we currently only work Mondays through Thursdays. Our customer advocacy team, sometimes they take a different day off than Friday, but just we want to make sure we have really good coverage for our customers. But that's been the biggest change for us. And I think that is reflected in these survey results a little bit of people saying that they're working more, that they're in more meetings. Like this is our response to that and to the COVID-19 in general has been to adopt a four-day work week. Haley, please tell our audience if they want to know more about what Buffer does, where can they find you and more about you? Please tell us how they can reach and contact you. Yeah, I mean, we're everywhere is at Buffer on social media as a social media tool. We're on all of the platforms. Um, you can go to buffer.com to read more about us on our website. And then if you just want general social media advice and best practices, you can go to buffer.com slash resources. And if you are interested in sort of the things I'm talking about, the remote work and the transparency in the four-day workweek element, you can go to buffer.com slash open and you'll see our open blog there where I share a lot of our practices and a lot of our company information on that blog. Thank you very much for this conversation, Haley. It was really full of insights, a lot of food for thought about what is going to be the new normal. Because again, I mean, we've been talking about this. One thing is remote work in the context of a pandemic. And then what is going to happen in 2022, 2023? I, I'm looking forward to knowing the results of those surveys and in those years and see the difference compared to this one. Same here. Thank you so much for having me, Diego. This has been a great conversation. Thank you, Haley. Take care. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Remember that you can find all episodes on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts, and in our website. So if you are planning to hire a new global team member, Globalization Partners makes it easy to onboard international talent in a matter of days. Go to globalization-partners.com to get started. This is Going Global, presented by Globalization Partners.